Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. Are you a brand new real estate investor and you're still struggling to get your very first deal because you don't have the funding or the money to do it? Or are you a wholesaler and there's some deals that you want to stay in, but you haven't been able to stay in the deals because you don't have the money to close on them? Or are you a seasoned real estate investor and you've got a ton of deals underneath your belt? You just want a bunch more funding at super cheap rates. If you answered yes to any of those questions, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Well, hello and welcome to an, another amazing episode of the Private Money Academy podcast. I'm Jay Connor, your host, also known as the Private Money Authority. And here on the podcast, we talk all things real estate and we also talk about the real estate that exists between your ears. That's right. I say all the time until you own the real estate that exists between your ears, it's going to be very hard to invest in some traditional real estate. Well, if you've been tuning into the show, you know that I have amazing guests and experts that come on here to share their experience, to share their failures, to share their successes, and today is no exception. But before I introduce you to my amazing guest today and my very good dear friend, we've been friends for many years now, I've got a brand new money guide that I want to give to you absolutely free. The name of this money guide is Seven Reasons Why Private Money and I'm not talking hard money, seven reasons why private money will skyrocket your real estate business and help you build incredible wealth. You can grab a free copy of this money guide. It's chock block full of actionable items, how to locate and get these private lenders money 
ready to fund your deals. You can download it after the show at www.jayconner.com forward slash money guide. That's jayconner.com forward slash money guide. Be sure and grab a copy. Well, my guest today, all the way back to the late 1990s, uh, he really had an appetite for real estate investing. His company had exploded and he was really on his way as being a full-time professional real estate investor. Well, his passion also carried over to teaching and coaching, and he loved just making a difference in other people's lives. So by 2004, he was a nationwide well-known speaker on stage talking about all kinds of topics such as entrepreneurial topics, and that included real estate investing and personal development. Well, in addition to that, my guest opened his company titled North Shore Enterprises, and this company specialized and does specialize in pre-foreclosures. Man, isn't that a hot topic here with the pandemic still going on? But he knows all about pre-foreclosures and short sales. And that goes all the way back to 2000 when he began. So since that time, he and his team, they have completed right at 1,000 1,000 short sales. Now, in 2008, my guest was uh, released and he co-authored a very, very highly acclaimed book by the title of Wake Up and Live the Life You Love, The Power of Team. Of course, you can get that on Amazon or Google Books. In 2012, my uh, guest opened up a company called The Cage, The Cage in Rock Hill, Connecticut. And what it is, it's a lifestyle fitness center that actually the fitness centers around learning the culture of martial arts. But it's really so much more than that, as you're going to learn about in just a second. So this business, this service provides his community truly a state-of-the-art facility for achieving fitness goals. But again, more than that, not only fitness goals, but personal development goals as well. My good friend and guest, he tells it like it is, and we want to hear how it is, really and truthfully. Welcome to the show, my good friend, Patrick Precourt. Patrick, welcome to the show. Howdy, sir, and thank you very much. That was an awesome intro, and uh, excited to be here, back here, right? We did this uh, a couple years ago now, so it's probably long overdue, but man, you know, with this, this, the rate at which things are changing these days, excited to be here, Jay, and uh, uh, excited to share some cool stuff with that, with the audience today. Absolutely. Um, I want us to get into the uh, headspace stuff. And really, you know, I tell people I can teach you all about real estate investing and how and the nuts and bolts of it. But, you know, until you get your head screwed on right, uh, it's sort of going to be hard to take actionable steps on, you know, what we teach and what we coach. But before we get that, take us all the way back. What was it that got you into real estate, Pat? Um, well, I was working in a family home inspection business doing well, home inspections and a bunch of my clients were real estate investors and it didn't take, didn't take long after doing a number of inspections for these investors to realize I was on the wrong end of this equation. You know, we're charging, you know, 400 bucks to do home inspection and they're making $40,000 on a real estate transaction. I'm doing a math and my math ain't adding up. Um, that, that was my introduction to it. And I don't know if you'll... You'll remember this, Jay. Um, there's a um, there used to be a publication called Creative Real Estate Magazine, um, and uh, 
the author, man, I can't remember his name by just off off the cuff, but um, the the author, the the magazine, the Girl Scouts were coming around selling like magazine subscriptions, and just at the time, I'm like, I gotta somehow get introduced to this real estate investment game. This Girl Scout comes around and says, "Hey, pick a magazine. You gotta buy a magazine subscription." And I saw one called Creative Real Estate Magazine, um, and boom. That introduced me to this world. A.D. Kessler, he was the author of this magazine. And he was one of the old school, original guys. He was a Vietnam vet. He was, bound, he was, he was confined to a wheelchair and started his investing career uh, in a wheelchair because he, he, was, he was physically handicapped, couldn't do much else. Amazing story. But that, that's where it all started in the late 90s. And by default, without you know planning on it, without any... Uh, uh, thought behind it. One of our first transactions in nineteen, like ninety eight or ninety nine, was a, was a, was indeed a short sale, and that's what opened my mind or ideas to the short sale world. You know? So yeah, it's an interesting journey through that. Yeah, when you started out, as I was telling everybody at the start of the show, uh, your company uh, has specialized specializes in pre foreclosures and short sales. Tell everybody what's the difference between a foreclosure and a pre foreclosure. A foreclosure is, in its simplest definition, the bank owns the property. It's a done deal. It's foreclosed on. A pre-foreclosure, it's somewhere in the process leading up to it from the bank initiated some type of action, foreclosure action. It's different in every state, of course, right? But they started the process, but the bank doesn't own the house yet. So that that's the easiest way to define the two. Now, different, Jay, let me just throw in one piece here, right? Because the word short sale comes in. Um, and, and oftentimes people synonymously use those words, short sale, pre-foreclosure, foreclosure, and the words are not synonymous. They were back in 2008 because you weren't doing a, you weren't doing a, working on a foreclosure property that didn't need a short sale. But that's not the same today because a lot of properties have equity in them. And there aren't a lot of properties in default, a different stage of foreclosure. They're not foreclosed on yet, but they ain't going to need a short sale, Jay, because they have equity in them. So I'm just highlighting this so that we can separate the terminology um, in, in your investing world, right? Don't don't get tricked into thinking that the two words are synonymous because they're, they're way apart from one another, but they have an overlap. Exactly. Um, Given, you know, the pandemic uh, started back in March of 2020. So, um, you know, we've been into this thing for a while. Uh, what's your crystal ball say as to um, the what's up on what what is on the horizon? What is on the horizon uh, for uh, foreclosures? I mean, you know, here in my area, it's still a trickle right now. Uh, what do you think is going to be happening, uh, Pat? Well, you know, Jay, all I can do is give you an opinion on this. I'm certainly not the the, the the smartest in this, you know, trying to forecast that. There's a lot of bright people out there. But, you know, I've been in this space for know, 20-something years. My take on it is this. It's certainly not the same as 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, right? It's a way different world. The banks are, are, are they were preparing for this. They're much smarter now because... They know what it's like to get beaten, beaten up and beaten down. They know that they're vulnerable to get taken out like some banks did, right? The countrywide to the world, which was a behemoth, as you recall, right? Got next, right? So nobody is protected. So they decided they got to protect themselves and they started stacking up the cash. And I already see, and I'm sure you see this as well, banks are dealing with it differently. They're not racing to foreclose, to foreclose on the property. 
They're looking for ways with the borrower to work things out, extending mortgages, amortizing them out um, way past 30 years, 40 years. I, I, I heard of, I didn't validate or verify, but a 50-year amortized mortgage just so the homeowner can stay in the property, right? So I see the banks dealing with it differently, which to me, common sense tells you that that will slow down the onslaught of the of the houses actually being foreclosed on. Now, there's another side to this. There are actually people who can't afford to stay in their homes anymore. There's that. Will those eventually end up in foreclosure? And I don't see any other path for them to take, right? I think that's the ultimate path for, for, them of those, for some of those properties, unfortunately. Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Yeah, <clears throat> Pat, I think you'd agree with me. Um, you know, I've been full-time. My wife, Carol Joy, and I have been full-time since 2003. Unfortunately, real estate entrepreneurs and real estate investors get a bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should get a bad rap because there's some scoundrels out there, but I don't know any industry that doesn't have scoundrels. But the reason that comes to mind is I don't know of another time since 2008 and nine. And I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be like it was, but I don't know of another time since then where we're going to have so many people to really serve with a servant's heart and help these people that are moving towards uh, foreclosure and really help them out of a, you know, desperate situation. Um, and you know, that conversation for another time, but I just want to put it out there. I know you and I know myself approach not only this business, but we approach life as what can I bring to the table to make a difference and serve? Because you know what, when we're helping enough other people get their problem, get their pain resolved, we don't have to worry about ourselves, do we? Not, not at all. It's funny. I run a youth group here. And one of the things I share with the kids is because all kids, you know, especially teenagers, are so caught up on on money and physical and materialistic things. The formula is so simple, but very few will follow. The formula is so damn simple. If you serve enough people and give them what they want, you can have anything you want. It's no more complex than that. Don't don't try to overthink this one, right? Just figure out how you can make an impact on other people. Serve enough people. There's nothing you can't have in this world. The universe is ruthlessly generous that way. Like you help the, the universe expand. The universe is right there to help you expand. It's a give and take system. It's flawless. Absolutely. So, Patrick, let's sort of dive deep here for a few minutes into this real estate that exists between people's ears. I know you've heard it. I imagine you've heard it. I've heard it a lot. I've heard friends in the past say it. Uh, I heard some, I heard a, a friend of mine say it as recent as three or four weeks ago. We came around the first of the year and the conversation went like this, or his comments were, I work and I work and I work and I love what I'm doing, but I just feel like there's more to it. And it's like, 
Why am I not feeling fulfilled? Why am I not feeling satisfied in what I do? And Jay, there just seems like there might, there just should be something more to me than just work, 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 even though I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And he's, and he's a real estate investor, but I feel unfulfilled. I feel unfulfilled. Pat, what's missing there? And how do people go from a feeling of emptiness to a feeling of actually feeling fulfilled? Yeah. Good question. And, and, a lot of human beings, right? When they get kind of anywhere near that halfway point, 40 plus years, that's a common space. We wake up one day, we're like, damn it. I've come pretty far in this journey here and I still haven't gotten things figured out, right? So let me let me answer this um, in, in, in two different ways. And the first one will be this, right? Oftentimes we pick a, a career or a, a path or a profession, right? And we make that the, the focus of our attention mistakenly. What I mean by that is that our path, our profession, or, or whatever it is, right, is not the end game. It's not the goal. It's a path to the goal. No different than money, Jay. And, and money is a perfect example in that money in and of itself means nothing. It has no meaning attached to it at all. Up and until we attach meaning to it. So, the question then becomes not about the money. It's what is the result of achieving the result? So in other words, what is the result of financial freedom? What is the result of financial independence, passive income, earning a million dollars? Because that turns into a feeling. And now we're getting somewhere because now we're pulling out of our subconscious and emotion through thought, converting it into a feeling and now we're starting to feel something. Money has no meaning, has no feeling. People come in our gym all the time, 40 years old, say, Pat, I got to lose 30 pounds, right? Congratulations. Like, but why? Because wanting to lose 30 pounds and doing the hard work to lose 30 pounds are two different worlds. And once that emotion uh, and, and, and motivation wears off, which it does in the first 10 days of you setting that new exciting goal of losing weight, right? <laughs> then what? And this is where we got to tap in. And I'll share with you how you do this because it's magical, right? So I'll go through this process with this gentleman, women, right? So why do you want to lose the weight? And, and we always start out superficial with our answers, which are external answers because my clothes don't fit and I don't like the way I look in the mirror, all this other kind of really superficial uh, stuff that don't matter. It really doesn't matter, right? But if I pry enough and keep asking the right questions, we'll finally get into where I start getting responses that, well, I kind of feel. Well, feel comes from the inside. Good. I, I don't feel like the guy I once was. I don't feel like I had that mojo. I don't feel like I had that drive. Like, good. Tell me more about that. And with the guy, quite honestly, if he's 40 years old and comes into my gym and wants to lose 30 pounds because he hasn't done anything in, in 20 years, there's usually only two reasons why, Jay. It's pretty interesting. Predictable, but interesting, right? Either... He just lost his, his man mojo. He does not feel like that guy he once was, which is best described as confident. He needs that back. Or, and one leads to the other, or he's having problems with a partner. And he, want, he wants his, he, and it's not that they have a bad marriage or, or anything. It could be that, but it's typically not that, right? It's that they just don't have that spark, that 
fire, that burning passion. And he wants that back. Now watch this. and You'll start seeing how powerful this gets, right? He thinks, ignorantly, typical guy. And we're you and I are typical guys too, Jay. So I'm not talking down on anyone, right? Typical guy that, wow, if I lose this 30 pounds, I'll look buff and fit and I'll win, I'll win back the favor of my queen. But that's not the case here. She's way less concerned about that, way more concerned about how I feel about myself, that, that, that oozing confidence and strength and power and passion and purpose. That's what attracts my queen back, right? So now I connect him to losing 30 pounds is how you're going to get the favor of your queen back. And, I, and he, I connect those dots. from Now I've added meaning to the weight loss. Now, doesn't show up like two weeks later, typical doesn't show up at 530 for his personal trainer, right? That personal trainer gets on that phone at six o'clock or quarter six. So they, Jim, this is Pat, just check it in. What's going on? And Jim will start with, oh, the car, the baby, the weather, didn't sleep. No, 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 stop. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking you is this, Jim, are you giving up fighting for your queen? Boom. You know Jim's ass is out of bed in there because now he's attached meaning to what he does. Now go all the way back to where we started, our profession, your job. I'm just not, I'm not, I, I wake up, I don't know why I do what I do because we haven't, it isn't the thing, We but we haven't connected it to the result of why we're doing it. And that takes a little inner work, takes a little soul seeking. And this goes a little contrary, Jay, to what like some of the gurus say. The gurus always say this, right? Do what you love and love what you do. Well, guess what? I love some of what I do, but I don't love everything that I do, <laughs> right? But that's okay because I love what, what I'm doing is going to do for me when I get there. I'm in love with the result of the hard work. I'm in love with the with the, what the outcome of these extra hours are going to do for me. And that's what inspires me, not motivates me out here, inspires me to show up every day and do the things that I don't like to do and enjoy doing them while I do them, even though I don't like them. You're starting to see all these dots all pouring each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got the, you got the guy or you got the gal <clears throat> that's you know, driven, 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 driven. And quite frankly, I don't know any successful ever how you want to define that term. I don't know any successful entrepreneur that is not driven, driven, driven. I mean, it's like, you know, the masterminds that we're in, it's like a room full of driven. So, you know, and I hear it, I hear it all the time. I'm driven, I'm driven, I'm driven. And then they stop and they say, why? Why am I doing all this? How does somebody unpack and answer that question? It, it's, it's, it's almost the same question. We have to connect what we do to the result of the result. So in, in the simplest, like in, any, you, in your mind, picture any real estate investor you know or any hard-hitting entrepreneur that you know, right? They have measurements that they track on a daily basis, Right. Yeah. Well, what is the result of achieving those measurements, right? And it's not just to collect money. It's what the money will do for them. Call it financial freedom. Call it financial independence. Call it what, whatever you want, right? But what, what does that mean? And for many of us, it means we're free to create. We're free to impact. We're free to finally, 
like step into the the shoes that we're, 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 we're capable of becoming. We're not burdened by operations on a daily basis, right? That's that's the answer to that for many of us, right? But until we connect it to that, then it's just it's just another job. And once you once you have you know this, Jay, once you have enough money to pay your bills and you know keep a roof over your house, you're not worrying about food and stuff like that. Earning more money is is does not become exciting, right? Up and until we connect it to something that it does for, we have to have meaning behind what we do, or we will wane in our efforts along the way. And when we get distracted by shiny objects, we'll be vulnerable to them because they're new and exciting, right? So it's a, we've Beautiful. got to connect to the result. Makes a lot of sense. Um, back when I was 24 years old, Pat, I uh, moved out to Wichita Falls, Texas, way back in the mobile home business. And that's a, a matter of fact, my first Sunday in town at church, I met my wife, Carol Joy. We've been dating for 37 years, just happened to be married 35 years of it. And so while I was out there, um, the Dale Carnegie man, you know, a lot of our listeners may not even know who the Dale Carnegie man is these days, but anyway, the Dale Carnegie man came knocking on my door and, um, and invited and welcomed me to, you know, the, the city and the new business that we were opening. And um, so he invited me to enroll in Dale Carnegie's uh, Human Relations Principles course, which I did and I went to. One thing I learned <clears throat> is that some people's got it backwards. They think in order to change my action, I got to change my attitude. And I learned if I want to change my attitude, I change my actions. I said that to ask you a question. One thing I know that you are an expert at and really know how to coach people on is how to achieve and experience immediate change, not yeah. not taking a long time change, but how to experience and really know what it feels like for an immediate change. How do you help people figure that out? Cool. So let me walk you through a couple of steps here, right? Number one, it starts with a very simple question. And again, we're taught to ask ourselves terrible questions we're taught to ask ourselves all the time like who am i and it's a terrible terrible question jay and here's why right when you ask yourself who am i all we can do is look back over our shoulder and see where we've been which is great fantastic but where we've been which has shaped who we are has only gotten us this far and what you're talking about is you want to go somewhere else you ain't been yet Means you've got to become someone different. I've got to become someone different. The question we got to ask ourselves, we should be looking straight in the freaking mirror when we do it, is who do I got to become? And that opens your mind up like this, wide open. And all of these answers start filling in. Now you got something to work on. But when you go, who am I? It's a dead end question. All it does is bring you up to as far as you've come and you can't go any further with that. Okay, that's number one. Number two, when we look in that mirror, right, we see back a self-image. And this is at subconscious and conscious level. It is impossible to outperform that person. No matter what happens out here, process, system, resources, operations, doesn't matter. We can't outperform who we believe we are. Okay? So now this brings us up to, to the actual part of your question. So what the hell do we do about that? Right? Because it's hard to outbelieve or change your belief simply by saying, I'm going to believe something different. Change, you want to change your belief, you got to 
to your point, you've got to go get a result. You've got to take an action. Okay. So the way we go about this, and I'll give you the def, like the definition of the action, it should be something that you can like do almost immediately. It should be really, really scary, challenging, almost impossible to you. Right. And go at it with the worth ethics of the way we worked in the late 1800s. In the late 1800s, Jay, I don't know if you know this or not, but the average work week was about 70 hours a week, okay? And that wasn't sitting behind a computer pounding keys or you and I kind of hanging out on a Zoom or, or, or a video here, right? It wasn't like that. It was out on a railroad with a sledgehammer pounding a, a spike in the ground all day like for, for how many are 8, 10, 9, 11 hours a day, right? That's 70 hours a week. Yet somehow... Through the years, we decided that we, you know, we're too soft to work hard. And and to me, like I don't think life should be a grind. But when it comes to creating change and reestablishing belief and and earning back that handshake with yourself, meaning that you know when you say you're going to do something for you, you follow through and you get it done. That goal, that New Year's resolution, that thing, right? You know you can count on you earning back that belief in yourself. Man, it's hard work, and you've got to commit to the work. And focus, again, on the result of the result of achieving the work. Pick something scary, something that you think is nearly impossible, something you can get to right now and go do it. Don't question it. You know, you go all the way back to when you and I were kids and we had to ride a bike, right? Think about how daunting that was at the time. Because we saw our older sibling try it and they fell flat on their face and cut their knees and cried and wailed like a little wimp, right? We had no qualification to ride a bike. We knew nothing about physics, geometry, science, momentum, speed of uh, pedaling, balance, steering. Knew nothing. We were completely unqualified to ride a bike. But that did not stop us because what it meant to us, what it meant to us is we're getting a little adulting coming our way and some freedom coming our way, right? That's what conquering this bike thing meant. And we were so damn focused on what it meant to us. It overcame our opposition, our fear, our concern, our lack of resources in actually achieving it. We never used that in the math equation. So you know what? All that shit didn't matter. We just did it. That's how important understanding why you're doing what you're doing is. When we're stuck or in a rut, you got to get through all the reasons why you can't and focus on one reason why you should. And once you accomplish that hard thing once, Jay, you quickly reestablish a belief in you in that says, man, you know what? I have been thinking a little small, maybe not giving myself the credit that I deserve because I am capable a lot more than I am. And as soon as you get that thing done, you pat yourself on your back, you celebrate it once and no more than once, and you go forward and go on to the next hard thing and build a little momentum. You know, if you look at like a massive train on a railroad track, right? Say it's like I got a hundred cars all full of coal and that thing's dead on the tracks. That is us stuck in a rut. Think about how many thousands of horsepowers, is that even a word, it takes to move this train, right? To get just to get it rolling down the track. But once this thing's got a little head of steam, 30, 40 miles an hour, it doesn't take that much horsepower to maintain it. But think about the size of the barrier it can blow through because of its momentum. We need that momentum in life. Life is not a fight all the time. It's a fight to get the train rolling. 
That's what, that's what I'm making this analogous to. Go do that hard thing. Get your train rolling. But don't worry, you don't have to live there all the time. You'll be able to back off the throttle once you have momentum. But what most entrepreneurs do is they either stop before the train gets going or as soon as it starts rolling, before they quite get over the little lip and get a little momentum, they back off the throttle. They pat themselves on the back too early, right? And all that momentum comes to a complete stop again. And now we're mentally, emotionally beat up and beat down and we just wallow in our cesspool again of, of mediocrity until we have enough courage to try it again. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's an entrepreneurial like cycle right there, right? Absolutely. And my next question, you may have already touched on the answer. And the question is, really, why is it that a lot of people just never change? Why do a lot of people just fail to change? So there's a little internal battle that goes on. On one hand, one of our basic human needs is growth, which is change, which is good because that, that's what kind of gives us a future. On the other, on a psychological and emotional position, we are predisposed to stay the same. We despise uncertainty. We despise the unknown. You know, all fear is anchored in one thing, not knowing. That's it. That's it. It's no more complex than that. Everything we fear is built around something we don't know because we despise uncertainty at such a high level. Therefore, we have a challenge each day. Do we, are we led by that internal drive, that basic human need to grow and expand, or do we cower to the fear of change? And unfortunately, we have a habit of cowering. And here's the thing, man. When you do it once, okay, excusable. But when you do two back-to-back days, you start a new habit. And each day gets easier the next to repeat what you just did. And this is truth. And this is why it's so easy to stop pursuing goals and dreams and New Year's resolutions. Like, do you know anyone, Jay, that you can that you could point to that you know said, I'm going to quit my diet and I'm going to quit getting fit and healthy and I'm going to quit working towards financial independence and I'm going to quit on bettering my relationship. Nobody ever says I quit. What happens is they miss a day and then they stack up two back-to-back days. And then the third day gets a little easier to do the exact same thing. We're on our way to a new habit and voila, right? It's in our past. And it's, you know, for some, for many, this whole New Year's resolution thing, which was exciting, like three weeks ago. So we're only, well, we're fourth week now, right? It's so far in our rearview mirror. It's like it never existed, right? For the, but nobody said I quit along the way. So that's, that's how that happens, you know? Pat, I've heard you talk in the past about there's just so much power that comes from having daily routines. Mm-hmm. And I'd like for you to speak to that. Um, first of all, what kind of routines do you have and what kind of power do those routines give you? Sure, sure. So, and and maybe you know differently, Jay, but I don't know any human being impactful, successful human being that is not guided by daily routines. Now, before we get into routines, let me just share something really quick, right? Because routines are kind of funny. If you look at like the a basic definition for routine would be like 
uh, habitual or mechanical performance of an established procedure or process. I think that's like the official definition, right? Like, okay, so far so good. But now let's look at it like some synonyms, words that mean the same thing, right? It's a grind, a groove, a pattern, a rut, a treadmill, and, and a descriptive word, like those would be nouns, but like adjectives of it, average, common, everyday, normal, ordinary, standard, unexceptional. Those are not exciting words. <laughs> You're like, well, if that's what describes a routine, who the hell wants a routine? Here's the important takeaway here. There is a study done in the 19, I want to say 1940, 1941, somewhere around there. And it's done in the um, life insurance industry. And it was done over it's like five or 7,000 life insurance salesmen, women who go door to door selling this stuff. And, and the study was to understand the common denominator of success of the few tiny few right? The 8% of the group that was successful by however they just define success, right? What was common amongst them? And it went like this. It was a very interesting guy. And anybody can look this up. Like, look to like uh, just, I think if you just Google the common denominator of success, you'll find this study. It's a really good read. But in short, it went like this. The common denominator of success was that the unsuccessful were unwilling to do the hard work that the successful were willing to do. Now you're like, well, duh. What's the hard work? The unsuccessful were unwilling to commit to the habits of success. Okay, habits, repetitious behavior, good, we're getting there. What are the habits? The number one habit, the common denominator, the unsuccessful were unwilling to delay gratification. Whereas the successful were okay with doing the hard work now in exchange for gratification, the reward later. Okay. So it's important to understand the, 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 the kind of the, the underlying theme is what are we willing to do today, right? That we won't get paid for till tomorrow. Now go ahead, Jay, re-ask the question and I'll, I'll die. You'll see how these connect in. Yeah. I just want everybody to be on the same page here. Sure. So what, what are some of your routines and what kind of power do you get from those routines? Good. Routines are not exciting. As a matter of fact, they're boring. They're mundane. They're monotonous. Okay. The, the routine can be boring, mundane, and monotonous, as long as it's designed to produce through repetition the massive outrageous results in the end of it, okay? We all have routines. Some of our routines are not too good. Some of our routines are, are, are eating fast food three times a day and ain't a good routine. It's producing a not desirable outcome, right? Whereas others have very defined regimented routines. They look like very simple, boring, average people, but they produce monstrous results on the back end. So I just want to appreciate routines are neither good nor bad by definition, but they are good or bad by how we choose to apply them. It's okay to have very ordinary routines to produce extremely extraordinary 
results, the result of the result, right? So mine start out really simple. I'm not the kind of guy that says, oh, get up at 3.30 in the morning, right? And not quite me. But I do generally get up every day before 6 without an alarm clock. I haven't used an alarm clock for 20 years now. And I just get up when I'm ready to get up, okay? And, and that does change a little seasonally. When the sun gets up earlier, I get up earlier. That's just how it works, right? First thing I do is I get up, I make coffee. I go downstairs and make coffee. Kids are bad. Wife's still in bed. And this is my time, Jay. This is, I got nothing. There's no TV. There's no cell phone. There's no nothing. And all I'm doing right now is I'm reviewing what it's going to be like at the end of the year when I've achieved my big goals. And I'm living through that experience. And I'm thinking it, which is triggering an emotion attached to the thought that's pulling it up into the conscious, which means now I'm feeling it. And now I'm thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking as if I've already succeeded. I've won. And that cannot help but alter my actions throughout the day. Okay, so that's part one. Part two is, and I shared this earlier, is I I asked myself straight up. Now I know my my job is today. Who do I got to become today to crush this? And that's something bigger than I was yesterday. And that's kind of the goal every day to outperform you from yesterday. A little sidebar on that. To stop worrying about what other people are doing or saying or or showing you, right? You worry about you and your goals outperform this guy every day. This, this is your competitor. This is who you're up against. This is who you got to be from yesterday. Don't get distracted with what everybody else is doing because they're so irrelevant to what you're doing. Just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. But that's that's how I start my day every day. And then I end the day. This is, I probably do this 98% of the time where I just debrief the day. And it's, it's just a way where you get to take away the lessons, commit to the change and not have to worry about the day ever again. So you re- erase it from your memory in terms of having to worry or fret over it. You just go through a five steps. What just happened? What worked? What didn't? What did I learn? Which is just analyzing your data. And then the big part, the only part that matters is, okay, what am I going to do different tomorrow from what I learned today? Once you get that, you just throw out the rest and boom, the days of victory, no matter how it went, it becomes a victory because we got something new to work with tomorrow. That's, that's kind of my routine. And then a day just happens. I love it, Patrick. Patrick, I would uh, venture to say, uh, since you are a martial artist and you've got the, um, the, the fitness um, company that you provide there in the community, uh, I would say you are an above average disciplined person, above average disciplined person, self-disciplined. And I hear people, and so we're going to, I'm going to wrap up with this last piece of advice that will become practical to everybody. And that is one way to reduce your stress during your day. I don't care if you're a real estate investor or anybody or doing anything else. And that is so often, Pat, you know, and I know, Social media and email runs people's lives. Brutal. Social media and email runs people's lives. How do you manage those two things that can be a really big takeaway from for everybody here that's tuning in? Yeah, so it, it's really, really simple. It goes like this, right? Let's appreciate, and this is 100% true. There's, there, there's two buckets of stuff in our life. Things we can control and things that are outside of our control. 
Okay. And the second we put any emotional currency focus effort on things that are outside of our control, we're creating a treason against ourselves, against those who we lead, those who honor us, those who lean in on us. We're creating a treason directly against us. So you go on social media, you start bitching and whining and complaining about everything that's out there or getting emotionally engaged. Guess what? You're now focused on something that's outside of your control. You are, you are, 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 are choosing to create a treason against you, your team, your family, those who honor you, love you, and look up to you. And you've got to take on this responsibility. We can only focus on the things that are directly inside of our control and nothing else. This means, and this is a big one for people, we got to stop fretting about the fearful future or the painful past because neither are in our realm of control. As a matter of fact, neither of them exist. The only thing that exists, Jane, you know this, is right here, right now. And that's where we got to stay present. And email brings you out of that. Facebook brings you out of that. Social media steals this from you. So this, the discipline should not be to going in or out of those things. It should be, are we on something we can control or are we out of control? And that, that's the one thing we should focus on. And everything else will get, will get smoothed out along the way if we can commit to that. I love it. Patrick, thank you so much for coming to join me here on the show. Uh, final and parting comments. Yeah, but it's, you know, my message this year is that 2022 is going to be a lot more chaotic than 21 and 20 was, right? And we cannot sit and wait. Anyone sitting still right now is going to grow obsolete very quick. Things are moving very fast. If you want to thrive, not survive, thrive, focus on being dynamic and being able to, to excel in chaos. Don't fear it, right? In chaos, there's great opportunities and there's great threats. And the one you experience is going to be 100% up to you, right? Train yourself that chaos is okay and learn how to thrive in chaos. And this will be an amazing freaking year for you. I love the motivation and the inspiration, Pat. And listen, folks, um, I know you want to continue the conversation with my good friend, Patrick Freecourt. And you can follow Patrick at www.patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, Precourt, P-R-E-C-O-U-R-T.com. All that will be in the show notes. And uh, again, that's www.patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, Precourt, P-R-E-C-O-U-R-T.com. Pat, I can't wait to see you in person at one of our upcoming mastermind meetings right around the corner. Right around the corner, but looking forward to it. Yeah, and anybody can always find me on Facebook too. Really, really easy. Appreciate being here with you, Jay. Absolute honor every single time, brother. Thank you, Pat. God bless you. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor, the Private Money Academy podcast. And we really appreciate the subscribes, the rates, and the reviews. Give us those five-star reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe and tap that bell so you don't miss out on any more of the amazing episodes we have coming up. Thank you all so much for, um, for tuning in. I'm Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. Here's to taking your business and your career and your personal development to the next level. And we'll see you right here on the next Private Money Academy podcast.